Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Corey Geiger, I just left beautiful Piscataway, New Jersey. If you've ever been to a game at Rutgers, well, eh, most of you have not. I would not necessarily suggest. Rutgers does a nice little job. It's a decent little stadium. Uh, Traffic can be a little rough getting in and out. But uh, it's late at night, Penn State 55, Rutgers 10. This was a game Rutgers led 10 to 7. I'm wondering how many of you, you're watching the game on TV and you're kind of thinking to yourself, holy bleep, Rutgers actually looks pretty decent. (laughs) Because look, it, it did. Rutgers came out, they threw the ball a little better than they typically do. And, uh, they're up 10 to 7. You're like, good Lord here. What is going on? They're going to lose Rutgers. But come on. They're, you can't tell me uh, you're overly concerned even watching it because you just knew this was going to happen. You knew Penn State's defense was going to get control of the game. I didn't think they'd score. Well, actually, I did. Here, here's some of the funny stuff that happens in a press box. All right, so it's 10 to 7. I, I'm sitting between Elton Hayes awesome dude from CNHI Pennsylvania covers Penn State and Mark Wogenrich from Fan Nation uh, at si.com and, and and it's 10 to 7 I kid you not I, I you could ask you could shoot Elton Hayes an email about this or a text or whatever or, or Twitter a tweet um, Twitter message it's 10 to 7 I said Penn State's going to win this game watch probably like 55 to 10 I I I shit you not I I I am not kidding you when Rutgers went up 10 to 7, I kind of laughed and said, I, I watch watch this. Penn State's gonna win this game 55 to 10. And so <laughs> as the night, as the day goes on, and we get a little closer to it and a little closer to it and a little closer to it. Oh man, I got a smile on my face. And and, and we're they're just busting on me. It's like John Sauber from the Center Daily Times is there as well. And sure enough, lo and behold, 55-10. So now look. I can't get I can't brag too much about my uh ability to predict the future because my streak of picking games against the spread ended. I was pretty proud of this streak. I'd picked 7 in a row, 
but I took the under on this one. The under had hit eight the last eight meetings between Penn State and Rutgers. The over-under in this game was 45. Uh, I didn't think Rutgers, Rutgers was going to score many points, but I also thought, you know, Penn State might come in and be a, one of those weird, sloppy, late-season games. And I thought 45 was a decent number, but I lost that, 55-10. Seriously, though, I kid you not. At 10-7, to I said, watch this end up being 55-10. Kid you not. So, all right, so what does it all mean? Here's the question I have. We're going to talk a good bit about this on the podcast. Penn State's 9-2. and two. They close with Michigan State in the regular season next week at home for the land-grant trophy. Michigan State's got all kinds of problems, lost to Indiana on Saturday. Penn State should win that game and finish 10-2. and two. Can you have a great season without a great win? And it is, it's just so fascinating the way this season has played out. And I guess it, it literally just depends on your view of, are you a glass half full or a glass half empty person? I, I, I'm a very literal person. I'm a, Hey, the glass, the glass is it's, it's half. Why does it always have to be half empty or half full? It's half, you know, let's just call it like it is. It's half. You know, you don't have to always look for a positive and a negative in something. You just call it like it is. And the world is what it is. Um, but Penn State has a chance to go 10 and 2. Would not have a single victory over a ranked team. Would not have a signature win. But yet, and, and we'll see how things play out against Sparty. If they beat Sparty big, 17, 20 points or more, you're talking about Penn State. Kicking some serious rear, man. They've outscored their in their last four wins, they've outscored these teams 175 to 41. They're not farting around here. Ohio State struggled with Maryland on Saturday. It was a 33-30 game. Ohio State needed a, a first down to prevent Maryland from having a chance, and they ended up winning 43-30 on some crazy stuff at the end. But Maryland had a shot. Illinois almost beat. Michigan at the big house. Michigan needed some crazy stuff at the end, end up getting a field goal. Uh, there, there's just nutty stuff that happens in college football. Um, TCU barely won. So Penn State's not messing around with these bad teams. That would be, for those of you who follow this, that would be the glass half full way of looking at it is this is a really good Penn State, Penn State team. How do we know? Because they're crushing mediocre and bad teams. Well, the glass half empty person might say, so what? These are bad teams. Who cares what the score is? Of course you're going to win. This is terrible competition. Well, like I said, Penn State beat Maryland 30 to nothing. Maryland looked completely disinterested and inept. Maryland almost beat Ohio State a week later. Now, Illinois, I do think, is pretty is pretty decent, but for them to almost beat Michigan at the big house? So again, the question is, how are we going to ultimately view this season, even if Penn State beats Michigan State? Is it a, can you have a great season without a great win? They lost to Ohio State in a game they played well for most of it, got hammered by Michigan. And so it just kind of gets back to whatever criteria you want to use. I, as the season has gone on, I have really kind of settled on my opinion on it. And I would say this is a great season. If they go 10-2, and 
this would be a great season. Well, Geiger, they haven't beaten anybody. Who cares if they beat Rutgers 55-10? Well, you're right. Who cares? Rutgers is terrible. Okay, Rutgers, go read my game story. I explain exactly why Rutgers can't compete with Penn State. Rutgers has a punter who hold, who now still holds the NCAA record for career punts. That is that is the most Rutgers thing ever. Your offense is so terrible that you've got to punt eight or ten times a game, and you've got the the leading punter numbers-wise in, in NCAA hit. That's Rutgers in a nutshell for you, and that's why they can't compete with Penn State. Because they play, Penn State plays terrific defense. But I picked Penn State to go seven and five this year. I thought coming off the last two years, hey, still a lot to prove. If they win 10 games, James Franklin will have earned your respect again. Oh, but they lost to Michigan and Ohio State. See, that's where we get back to your criteria. It all depends on how you, the fan, what your expectation is, what level of acceptance really isn't the right word, but what level of acknowledgement you want to give to James Franklin and this team. Folks, they didn't have Parker Washington today, their best receiver. They didn't have Olu Olu Fashionu, the left tackle, possible first-round pick. They didn't have Joey Porter, the cornerback, most likely a first-round pick. Kevon Lee hasn't really been a, much of a factor, but he didn't play there. Penn State came out here and destroyed Rutgers on the road without three of its five or six best players. Parker, Olu, Joey, those are those those are three of your four or five best players. You can throw Singleton, Allen, you know, maybe somebody else in there, whatever. But And they still came out here and crushed this team. Crushed Minnesota. Crushed Indiana. Crushed Maryland. I, I say if they go out and handle Michigan State next week in a big way, 10-2, and two, you, again, I know I could get some blowback from this from some of you fans. That guy ain't beat anybody. I've, I already see it and hear it. But 10-2, and two, that's a great season. James Franklin can go to the boosters and the alumni and say, we went 10-2. and two. Give me your money. I know I've mentioned that before. But the Rose Bowl is a possibility. The Orange Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, those are all possibilities. And look, we'll we'll have a lot more to determine the season based on who they play in the bowl game, if they can win, even if players are opting out. We know bowl games are not as important as they have been traditionally. But if you can go beat some big-name program in, in a New Year's Six Bowl, that's... That's a strong way. And eleven and eleven and two, absolutely. You can't argue argue eleven and two. If they're eleven and two and they beat a big name program, that is a great season. Period. No matter what you think about the fact they didn't beat any ranked teams. But I, I, I just keep falling back on this. And maybe I'm placing too much importance on this for some of you, but. I do place value in just lining up and beating the hell out of bad competition. They're not messing around. I keep coming back to that. They're focused, even without some key players. They're not letting these bad teams hang around and hang around and hang around like Ohio State did against against Maryland on on Saturday. Ben State's not doing that. They're they're coming up out and they're crushing these people. All right, coming up in the second segment, we'll take a look a little bit more inside the game. Uh, Penn State's 55-10 win at Rutgers. And, boy, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on around college football. Probably do the game in the third segment. I want to get to the Rose Bowl possibilities as well. We'll tackle that here in a minute. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the We Are Podcast. There was nearly full-fledged chaos in college football on Saturday. Ohio State was up 33-30 in in the final few minutes at Maryland. Maryland needed a stop defensively, didn't get it. Ohio State ends up winning. They're number two. They win. Uh, Number three, Michigan. Got all it wanted from Illinois. Had to come back in the closing seconds. That would have been a chaotic uh, loss number four TCU losing at Baylor. They that was chaos at the end with time management and everything, but they end up with so we almost had number two, three, and four losing, and quite frankly, three and four were right there on the doorstep of losing. That would have thrown a gigantic monkey wrench into the entire college football season, but it didn't happen. However, number five Tennessee gets clobbered at South Carolina. What does this do for Penn State? It's late, folks. It's, I don't know, one o'clock in the morning here as I sit on the outskirts of, I, I guess I just drove back into Pennsylvania. I'm recording this. Here's the glamorous life of a uh, sports writer so that we can get this podcast up early in the morning for your listening pleasure on Sundays. I'm recording this podcast from the parking lot of an Exxon. I think I'm in something called uh, Barton, PA. Any of you out in Eastern PA? I think I just crossed the PA line and Barton or Bartons or something like that. But nice little area here. Some shopping centers, some good eatery. Everything's closed now. It's the middle of the night. But I'm, I'm in an Exxon parking lot recording this awesome We Are podcast for you. So, so you'll have it Sunday morning. Anyway, so USC just beat UCLA. 48-45, great game. Here's the scenario. So if the Big Ten can get two teams into the college football playoff, Penn State goes to the Rose Bowl. Ohio State, Michigan play next week. The winner will go on then and win the Big Ten championship most likely. They'll get to the playoff. Let's just say that's Ohio State. Let's say Michigan loses to Ohio State. They're 11-1. and Michigan would have the best loss of any team in the country. 
Okay, let's just make that point clear. Of all the one-loss teams, Michigan would have the best loss losing at number two Ohio State. If the game is close at all, that's not a bad loss at all. So then it comes down to USC. Here's where things get really interesting. Perception, how much value the college football playoff committee would place on a conference championship. Because here's the scenario I see playing out, possibly. USC's got Notre Dame next week. If USC, USC's lost one game. It lost at Utah. Utah was number 20 at the time. Utah's got a good team. Um, USC lost 43-42 at Utah. One loss. Michigan, say they have one loss by less than 10 points at Ohio State. Ohio State's the number two team in the country on the road. But, so say USC beats Notre Dame and then USC goes to the Big 12 championship game and wins that. Okay? These are ifs. I mean, USC's defense is bad. So you could have a one-loss USC team that wins a conference championship or a one-loss Michigan team who has the best loss of any team in the country at number two, Ohio State. Again, we're, we're going along this line. If Ohio State loses, well, you know, a little bit different story. We, we could you know, imagine that as well. But Michigan would theoretically have the, the best loss of anybody in the country. Who would the committee take? So you got Georgia would be in, say. You got TCU. Let's give TCU the benefit of the doubt that they that they went out, win the Big 12, and uh, and go undefeated, and, and they're in. So now you've got Ohio State's in. Who do you take, Michigan or USC? Michigan would have one loss. No, their, their best win was over Penn State, 41-17. Their non-conference schedule was terrible. USC just beat UCLA. I think UCLA was 15th. So USC beats UCLA. Next week, they've got Notre Dame, and I, I want to say right now, Notre Dame's 18th. That would be a ranked one. Because USC has not beaten a ranked team until UCLA. Just trying to give you an idea of their resume. So USC's win over UCLA ranked team. If USC beats Notre Dame, that would be a ranked team. And then USC would play in the uh, Pac-12 championship game. I'm sorry, folks. I didn't look to see how that would play. I, I guess Oregon or Washington or, or whatever. I, I, I don't know who that would be. But that could be a chance for a, a ranked win. So who do you take? Michigan, one loss at Ohio State. Or USC, one loss at Utah, but with a conference championship. It will really put to the test the criteria of the college football playoff committee. All right. How much value, how much benefit of the doubt would they give a team that has a conference championship? I can sit here and tell you, folks, I think Michigan is better than USC. I think if they played, Michigan would win. I think USC's defense is terrible. Now, Michigan has the Blake Corum issue. We'll see how that, that goes from a health standpoint. But I think Michigan is better. But that's where the committee is really, that's where we could potentially be heading. Who, uh, what would you personally take? To me, if Michigan is sitting there with one loss, a close loss at Ohio State, I'm taking Michigan over a one-loss USC team. I can see the committee 
taking USC and placing the value on the conference championship. All things being equal with one loss. Now, we're assuming LSU doesn't beat Georgia, which I don't think will happen. Could a two-loss LSU team get in with wins over Alabama and Georgia? That's eh, still possible, but I, I don't think LSU is going to beat Georgia. So, But that's that's the scenario for Penn State and the Rose Bowl, folks. If Michigan were to get in over USC, Penn State goes to the Rose Bowl. If USC gets in over Michigan, then Michigan goes to the Rose Bowl. And now there's these scenarios where Penn State goes to the Cotton Bowl or the Orange Bowl. How much does this matter? Because out of one side of my mouth, I can sit here and say, bowl games don't really matter as much anymore because you're going to have all these players opt out. I don't think we're going to see Olu Fashnu again this year for Penn State. I think he's probably hurt. I don't. I personally will have to wait and see how it plays out, but I don't think we're going to see Parker Washington again for Penn State. Maybe we'll see Joey Porter, but I don't think Joey plays in a bowl game. I, I mean, I, I mean, what, if you're Joey Porter, why would you play in a bowl game? Uh, now, if it's the Rose Bowl, that's different. But Joey had the appendicitis. But but the Rose Bowl is different. A Rose Bowl appearance still carries tremendous cachet to me, probably to you, probably to the majority of college football fans. The difference in my mind between a Rose Bowl and an Orange Bowl is pretty significant. Should it be? Uh, maybe not, because an Orange Bowl is still a terrific accomplishment, but you, when you go to a Rose Bowl, if you're Penn State and you go to a Rose Bowl, what are they, 94 they went, 08, and 16 they went. Um, that'd be f- only the fourth Rose Bowl appearance in uh, 29 years as a member of the Big Ten. That's a significant accomplishment. And so that's why the, I'm placing a lot of emphasis on this. I think fans, when I asked earlier, can you have a great season without a great win? If they get to the Rose Bowl, even if they lose the Rose Bowl, even if they lose the Rose Bowl, which would probably be, I guess, USC. Yeah, because if Michigan gets into the playoff, Penn State would play USC in the Rose Bowl. And we saw that in 08 and in 2016. Uh, two, two good. Well, the 2016 game was one of the great games I've ever seen. 08 wasn't as close. That was Mark Sanchez pre butt fumble fame. But if Penn State could get to the Rose Bowl, that changes the entire dynamic of the way we look at this this season. And so, again, I'm going to sit here and say a one-loss Michigan with a close loss at Ohio State would deserve to be in over a one-loss USC team, even if USC wins a conference championship. That's my feeling on it. I just think... There could be public pressure, one. And I just think the committee would feel pressured to put a conference champion in. And so USC would make it. If I had, if I had, my personal preference would be Michigan. That's who I would go for. I just tend to think if USC went, runs, runs the table, wins the, wins the big or the Pac 12, that they, that, uh, I'm sorry, if USC, runs the table, wins the Pac-12, then they would end up getting in over Michigan. So, boy, lots of crazy stuff. We almost saw complete and total chaos if Michigan and TCU would have lost, but that Tennessee loss changes a lot of things. All right, that's going to wrap up segment two. We'll come back in the third segment, take a little bit closer look at the uh, Penn State victory on Saturday.
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, how's this for amazing as we start the third segment of the We Are podcast here? For the first time in Big Ten history, two freshman running backs top 700 yards rushing in the same season. That's pretty amazing for all the history that the Big Ten has. Nicholas Singleton, Catron Allen both have topped 700 yards rushing this season. I I just don't think we can overlook the significance of this because – Penn State's running game was so terrible last year. Even if you remember the Villanova game, I always go back to this, Villanova an FCS opponent. I think Penn State had 80 yards rushing against Villanova. They couldn't run the ball against an FCS team. It's the, wor- the second worst rushing attack Penn State had ever had. And the only other worst one was 2014 when they really had very few offensive linemen coming out of the scandal. So uh, to to think that the program would go from that to last year and all the question marks about the offensive line, all the question marks about the scheme schemes offensively, the blocking offensively, to then the very next season have two freshmen top 700 yards. I just think you got to take your hats off to so many people. Obviously, Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen. But, hey, I, I give credit to... Mike Yersich, Phil Troutwine, James Franklin, all the coaches, Jaywan Sider, the running back coach, everybody gets a lot. They made a commitment, the commitment that everybody wanted to see. They made a commitment that they were going to run the ball. Certainly, Singleton and Allen are better than the running backs they've had the past couple of years. Kevon Lee was the leading rusher the last two years, and he's just really not remotely close to the capabilities of these other two guys. Although I, I like Kevon and hopefully he'll he can be healthy and have finish out his career nicely either at Penn State or somewhere. But you bring in Singleton, the Gatorade player of the year, huge expectations. Catron Allen, we heard terrific things about him all along. And it should not be a surprise that he has ended up as good as he is. He's he's I still think he's the better of the two running backs right now today. Although over the course of their careers, I think Singleton will be better. But man, how about of all the question marks that we had with the running game, with the offensive line, you just have to take your tip your hat to to the commitment, the schemes, the formations. Yersich has done a really nice job with the schemes, the play calling in running situations. Uh, so I want to start there. That's just an amazing accomplishment with all the history that the Big Ten has. Uh, Secondly, Penn State's defense and Manny Diaz. I want to touch on this for a little bit because I'll tell you, I just could not be more impressed with Manny Diaz. I, I, Having covered Penn State, 2006 was my first year. Tom Bradley was a really good defensive coordinator, got a lot of accolades and and hype, Um, a Johnstown guy, 
well liked by all the Penn State media. Just a really good dude. So Tom Bradley had good defenses, a lot of top ten defenses. Penn State doesn't even have a top ten defense this year. I'd have to double check here. I think they were thirty first in total defense or something uh, when I when I last checked a, a handful of days ago. So I, th- I think I got that about right. But I'll tell you what, man. Uh, week in and week out, the aggressive style that they play, I, I love it. I just love. I love the concepts and what they're doing. We were talking with, uh, uh, who was it? Uh, I think it was Curtis Jacobs. I'd asked Curtis to compare the difference between the Brent Pry defenses and what they do with Manny Diaz. And I think Curtis said, you know, Brent, he, he loved Brent. He had a lot of respect for Brent. They were out there kind of in base formations with Brent Pry, which, you know, doesn't take a rocket scientist to remember how all that went. But Manny's got them out there so aggressive, just flying after it. They've got good players on defense, don't get me wrong. And Abdul Carter looks like he could be uh, another Micah Parsons. That guy looks looks the part as a true freshman. But I just give I just give so much praise to Manny Diaz coming in and implementing a style, which is a style that I want to see. I hated. I, I honestly hated watching a lot of the things Penn State's defense would do over the last 15 years because it was just so non-aggressive. It's, I know I've, re, I've mentioned this before, so this is probably beating a dead horse. Third and five, the DBs are playing seven yards off the receivers. They'd give them first downs. Didn't, didn't so much care as much because the defense was always going to be good in the red zone. That's not what this defense is about at all, man. They're up in their face. They're aggressive. A lot of man coverage, really tight um, defensive packages and schemes. And, and now look, Rutgers, Rutgers is awful. I, it's hard to overly praise what Penn State's defense is doing when you're playing a terrible offense. But look, I, I just, I've been so impressed with Manny Diaz. And with one game left in the regular season, We've got to wonder if if Manny Diaz is about to coach his final game at Penn State. Because after next Saturday, after the Michigan State game, then we get into kind of firing season. Maybe we'll have to wait another week after some conference championship games. We'll see. But it, it could come as early as, you know, another six, seven days from now. There will be coaching openings, coaching openings around the country. Manny's name is going to come up for some here and there. Will it be the right opening? Will it be something he wants to do? Um, because he he can come back to Penn State next year, obviously, and and remain patient and wait for that perfect opening, whatever he thinks that perfect opening is for him at this point in his career, or if he just is ready to get back into being a head coach right now, he very well could could have his opportunity. So, uh, be very interesting to see, and that'll be a storyline this week heading into Michigan State. I'm sure a lot of people will be writing and asking questions about. Could this be Manny Diaz's last game at Penn State? Uh, a couple other finishing touches on the Rutgers game. I wrote about this. I I, I don't want to say I feel bad poking fun at Rutgers. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, their, their punter has the NCAA record now for most career punts. But it is amazing that all these games they've played against Penn State, they've just not, they've just not matched up at all. Uh, the the nine meetings that Rutgers has been in, in the Big Ten, this is only the second time they reached double digits in points. Um, and again, they're up ten to seven before they lose fifty five to ten. And the one thing, one thing I will say, this is from a personal standpoint. As I repeat, I'm sitting in an, an Exxon parking lot at now 
about one o'clock in the morning, I guess, on Saturday after I left Piscataway. The one thing personally I like about Rutgers being in the Big Ten, it's a nice little easy road trip close to the end of the year. Uh, I like this next to last game against Rutgers, last game against Michigan State. That's not too bad. We got Thanksgiving week coming up this week. It's not a bad little four, four and a half hour trip for me from uh, from Toonertown over uh, – uh, to Rutgers. So that, that that's that's the best thing I can say about Rutgers being in the Big Ten, that it's a short little trip. I do not think Rutgers should be in the Big Ten, period, at all. I don't think they deliver the New York TV market in any way like what the Big Ten can probably try to claim. I don't think anybody in New York gives a damn about Rutgers football. Um, so I, 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 I just think Rutgers getting into the Big Ten and apparently being grandfathered a spot in a, a prestigious conference with a $100 million TV rights packet payouts, you know, probably for a long time. Rutgers being in that position, I, I think is a travesty, to be honest with you. I, I there, There's no way Rutgers should just be allowed to be in the Big Ten forever just because the league decided to add them uh, eight, nine years ago. Uh, for the t- for the New York TV market, which I don't believe exists anyway. But again, personally, it is a nice little trip. If Rutgers ever is booted out of the Big Ten, and and we got to go on some longer trip like to USC or UCLA for the next to last game, uh, well, I probably won't be making that trip. <laughs> That's what I, so uh, I'm not I'm not going to be looking forward to going out to LA in in, in mid November before Thanksgiving. That's for sure. Hey, folks, I appreciate you tuning in. Th- think about my question. Leave a comment here. Shoot me a text or, or, or a, a Twitter message or an email or something. Can you have a great season without a great win? Penn State could go 10-2, and two, no great wins. I do think it would be a great season. Thanks for tuning in to the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network.